page 663, you have a King James Bible. I'm, I'm, full of, I'm well aware, I'm well aware tonight that, um, that you, it's impossible to have this totally. And I'm, I'm well aware God knew, knows exactly who would be here tonight and who would not be here tonight. But if I had a message that I would just so long for every young married couple, every, every, every family, every individual, every young person, if I, had, if I had a message, one message that I would preach, this would be the message I would preach to you. 19... 2002, we purchased this property that you're sitting on tonight. We began to haul in dirt and we got all the, the groundwork finished. Then the next thing that we had to do was we hired an architect. Lyle Eddie Smith became our architect on his building. And the next thing that he had to do was he had to make this set of drawings, a blueprint, if you will, of how this building is going to be built. When there was a question, we went to the blueprint. If a change had to be made, the only one that could make it was the architect. No one else, no one else can make the change. And that's the architect, okay, the change. And more than once, many, many, many times, he would say when they would want to make a change, let's go pull the blueprints, let's go look at their drawings. Because I want to see if that affects another change, if that affects something else. Because a lot of times you make a change in one area, it affects something else, you know. A lot of times it, it, has a, it, it plays that way. And so every decision, every decision, I will ever be grateful for Douglas St. John. Uh, he's been here because he was my foreman over the job. And he, he would say time and time and time and time again, they want to make some changes, but you hold them to the drawings. You hold them to the blueprints. Tell them we're going to build it by the blueprints, how the blueprints and how it's exactly by the blueprints. And we have a very good building. I'm very thankful for that. We paid this man probably $40,000 for this set of drawings. Expensive artwork. And, uh, and it's amazing. I'm thankful for our building. I'm, I'm appreciative. But you realize Jesus didn't die for this building. They did die for you. You realize that as important as I feel this building is, would you look beside you right now, God deems that more important than this building or any building ever will be? Do you realize He is a divine architect when it comes to building a home and building a heritage? He didn't, he didn't consult with anyone. By the way, the Supreme Court has no more right to change the, the, the blueprint than, than, than you and I would have had, to, had a right to change the blueprints on this building. 
Because he, he designed it. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. He designed the home. He designed the marriage. He designed the family. Where that, where that family is one individual or a whole bunch of individuals, no matter how it's made up, God designed the family. As a matter of fact, before he built any building, first thing he did was he designed a family. And that being said, isn't it amazing? Wouldn't it be foolish? Wouldn't it have been foolish? If I would have said, well, you know, Mr. Smith, I, I know you've given me the blueprints and I know you've given me the drawings, but let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe we ought to change this. I think we ought to do that. I think we ought to do this. Wouldn't it be foolish of me to not know anything about building a building to go to him and say, let me tell you how you ought to do it. But that's not more, any more foolish than grown adults letting their children tell them how they ought to build their lives. That's not even more foolish than grown adults letting teenagers tell them how to run the house or run the church or run anything else. That, that's, not even, that, that's not any more foolish than tomorrow morning, Scott Selmeyer, students stand up and say, uh, Scott, we thank you for being our teacher. You're going to teach us how to build. But if it's okay, we think we know more than you do. Would you please sit down, shut up, and we'll just build it. Someone would say, that's foolish. It's not any more foolish than some of the stuff we're doing. The reason why that's foolish is because we're neglecting the blueprint. We're ne neglecting God's blueprint. And tonight, I'm going to give you just a very practical, a practical blueprint on how God wants you to build a heritage build a heritage and a practical blueprint for a Christian home. Now let me just stop right here and just say this. My children are here. I'm so thankful. But I must, must say publicly to them, I wish somebody would have taught me when you were smaller, I would have been a better dad. I would have been a better dad. So when you hear me preach this, you're going to say, but Daddy, you wouldn't like that. You're right, I wasn't. Because you see, I had no one to teach me. You're going to have somebody to teach you. And some of you had no pattern growing up. Some of you didn't have someone to teach you. And the one you did have to teach you didn't teach you the right way. Because they weren't interested in God or the Word of God. But can I say this? Please, don't, don't get sideways Let's not use that as an excuse not to start today building a godly heritage. Don't let that be an excuse. I, I love Dr. Chappell's wife. Uh, she grew up in a drunkard's home. And um, she married Paul Chappell, and they begin this great ministry that they have. And he said one of the first things she said after she got married to him, she said, I am so looking forward to build in a home that God can honor, not like what I grew up in. I like that. Amen. 
And what I want us to understand tonight is we got great opportunity. And if you've blown it up to tonight, if you've not made some right choices, if you've not done some things, we're not going to go dig that mess up. We're not going to live there. What I want to challenge you is tonight, tonight, you begin to build a good godly heritage that you can leave when you're gone. Let's all stand together. Psalms 127. One verse, first verse. Let's read it together. Ready? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It's just one verse, so let's read it again. Ready? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Let's go to the throne of grace. We'll ask Bill Cashman if he would to please pray. Amen. You'll be seated. How are we to be the guardians of God's heritage and build that kind of house that will stand and when we've done all to stand? There is, there's not a man here that's, that's worth his salt that does not want to protect his home and protect his family. Red blood runs through your veins. It ought to be ingrained in us to to be that kind of guardian and kind of help. I believe tonight, though, there are five parts that we want to look at. Now, now, this is more than just a message. And I ain't working, brother. And ain't nobody back there. All right. Get me to working, Doc, okay? There's five parts to this thing that we want to look at in our, in our daily routine. I, I, and, and this is not just a message. This, this is not a message tonight that a trip to the altar will fix. It's, it's not really that kind of message at all. This is the kind of message Daryl, you and Ellen will spend a lifetime doing for Jonah. It's not a message that is a one-time fix. It is a message that we apply these principles into our life each and every day. And in doing so, we build a Christian heritage and a Christian home. First of all, we need to have a foundation of scriptural truth. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I love this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The the greatest foundation you can ever build your family on is the word of God. Now, I fear what happens is this. It's Sunday night. Many will not even be here Wednesday, so it won't be picked up Wednesday. And I fear that for so many, the, the Bible will go home 
it will, it will go into its place and it will not be picked up, it will not be read, it will not be used whatsoever. And, and I'm amazed at that. Uh, I noticed as they built this building here, one of the th- first things every morning, the first things they did was, regardless of whatever else they did, the first thing they did is they got the blueprints out. First thing, first thing. Every morning, got the blueprints out. They were going to build the wall, they got the blueprints out. They're going to plumb it, got the blueprints. Done the lighting, got the blueprints. And, I, and I'm amazed at how, how tedious they were to follow that blueprint in, in, in everything they did in this building. And yet the greatest thing we're building is a life around us. The greatest thing we're going to do is when I'm gone is not leave a building, is to leave a heritage. And God has given us the blueprint and we're not even looking at it. We're not even reading it. We don't know what it says because we're not reading it. And it goes from week to week and service to service. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm working... Well, I'm not even going to go there. That'll be at the end of the year. I'll share it then, maybe. One of the things that that I'm doing... And and you say, but preacher, you, you just don't understand. I just don't have time. But we got time for everything else. Amen? I'm not going to even ask you how many watch the ball game as the Panthers later whooping on Seattle. Talked to a man this week. He called me from Seattle. And he's wanting to sell me something. And I asked him this question. I said, well, if Carolina Panthers whip you all Sunday, you're going to charge me more? And, uh, and he said, well, that whooping ain't took place yet. Well, it has now. And... Uh, and uh, we got time to do exactly what we want to do. And I'm amazed how, how, how important life is. Hey, you, you've got time to get mad when something don't go your way. Hey, we got time for everything else we're going to do. But is it not amazing we're not building it on the Word of God? And it's a, and it just blows my mind because what we're doing, we're building it on our intuition. We're building it on the good intentions. You know, I, I can have real good intentions on, on, on this building. I, my intentions could be pure, and I could say, you know, I think the lighting ought to be done this way, but the truth of the matter is, in good intentions, don't build good buildings. Good blueprints build good buildings. Good architectural work builds good buildings. That's what builds good buildings. See, we find it. You say, well, why is that? What's the big deal about that? Because don't miss this. Storms are going to come to these houses. Storms are going to come. The winds are going to blow. There'll be temptation, disappointment. There'll be marital strain. There'll be teenagers rebelling. There'll be health crises. There'll be... Troubles, there'll be surprises, there'll be confusion, there'll be that that meantime will overwhelm us when they come. And sometimes the winds are driven just by our crazy culture we're living in. 
sometimes by just the stresses of life that come to all of us. Then sometimes come because Satan is attacking. But don't look for Satan. I, I think some folks look behind, for a booger behind every bush. Sometimes it's not Satan. It's just plain me. Amen. So we need to understand we got to build it, a foundation on scriptural truth. God's holy word. There is an answer to every issue you face in life. And you say, does that mean I, when I worked in the factory, they'd come up and say, Preacher, what do you think about this? And I'd say, well, there is not a direct answer to that, but there's a principle. There's a principle. And your answer comes under that principle. If you obey that principle, you're going to be all right. And we find because you see, God, I said this morning, God is faithful. And because He's faithful, His Word is faithful. And it's a solid foundation. I preached this Wednesday night. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sins of mine and doeth them, and doeth them, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it's founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sins of mine and doeth them not, doeth them not, should be like a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the winds came, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So the first thing tonight we must have is a foundation of scriptural truth. You got to build it on the Word of God. That's the reason why uh, it's January. How many of you are reading your Bible through this year? How many of you are reading your Bible? My soul, where's the rest of you? Why aren't you reading your Bible through this year? Takes you just a few minutes is all it takes. There's programs after programs after programs. Let's get back to the book. It's a blueprint. It tells us. It, it's the answer to everything that you have. Number two, don't miss this. There is a foundation of loving acceptance. 1 Thessalonians 2 7 says this. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth the children, her children. Can I ask you a question? Is there gentleness in your home? Is there a happiness in your home? Is there a verbal affirmation? That you, your children, know you love them. Now, I didn't say, now here's how we've equated love. We buy them anything you want. We buy them anything you want. But that's not the kind of love this Bible teaches. The kind of love the Bible teaches is a love that literally, that literally is affirmed. And that, is, and that needs to be affirmed every day. 
Ma'am, do you know that your husband loves you? Well, I'm just not the loving type. Get me. Start being it. Junk excuses. Get over yourself. We didn't grow up in a home where mom and daddy said, I love you and kids, I love you. Their way of equating love was the same way that many of you do. Daddy got up, went to work, he kept a roof over his head, he paid the bills, he provided. But can I help you? There's a whole lot more to love than just that. It is our kids knowing that they're loved and accepted. Now, I didn't mean you need to accept their sin. I didn't mean that you need to wash, play down their sin. No, no, no. But it doesn't mean that you stop loving them either. And they need to know they're loved. And it is absolutely, and one of the, one of, one of the, one of the most destructive things is this, that we equate love. Well, I tell you, I get them. Well, I got them this, I got them that, I got them this, I got them that. My dad had cancer before he ever told me he loved me. And at the end, he did, more than once. But the whole time we grew up, we never heard that. We never heard that. Now, and you say, but, but preacher, I, 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 and I'm being honest with you, I'm not the, the lovey-dovey, huggy kind of fella. Darlene is that way. And, uh, I mean, you know, she, she just hugs all these women. And, you know, I, I'm not into that much. But I'll tell you this much. Our children, I want my daughters to know I love them. I don't want to ever be questioned that their daddy loves them. They're not, they're, I don't want any questions. My great grandchildren know that we love them. And there has to be that acceptance and that gentleness. Can I, can I help you? Tonight, you need a purpose that I'm going to stop my home being a war room. I, I, I'm tired of that. I, I don't know about you. and I, I'm just speaking now for myself and maybe just testifying. I, I hear stuff all day long. I go into places and visit, and, and, and I'm, all, I'm always hearing stuff and, and, and visiting sick people and all this kind of stuff. Well, I am so glad to get home because that's a place that I don't have to hear that. Home should not be a place of, uh, of, of all of this anger and discourse. It'll be a place of, of love and acceptance. Doesn't mean you accept the rebellion or their sin. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. I'm going to give you how you deal with that. See, it's not about giving them, but the foundation, the foundation has to be built with a love and acceptance. You'd be amazed. Someone has said this. Someone has said this, that there would never be a teenager take their life if they knew one person in this world loved them. Whoa. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. No teenager would ever take their life if they knew one person in this world loved them. Third thing we have here is this is we have the frame of time in nurture. Could I tell you how your children 
divine time. How they spell, how they spell love. Can I tell you how your children spell love? T-I-M-E. It's no secret. Jaden likes to come to our house. And it's not because of me. It's because of her. And you know why he likes to come to our house? She stops everything she's doing and she spends time with him. She just takes time. She gives him the gift of time. The average parent spends 36 minutes per day on the greatest investment they'll ever make in their life. 36 minutes. Ephesians 6, 4. Gentlemen, do you believe? How many of you men believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible? Okay, hang on. I just set you up. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Says, don't, don't make your children mad all the time. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Has the ideal of a father being careful that he does not become that one that creates the anger and the wrath in his own home. And God says that specifically to fathers. Gentlemen, that challenges my heart to no end. That challenges me, amen? Because children are a gift from God. They're your heritage. I'm going to leave here one day, and I'm going to tell you, my heritage is in my children that I'm leaving behind. And my grandchildren. And, and, and by the way, you're not going to take anything else to heaven with you but them. only thing you're going to take to heaven with you is your heritage. And my heritage that I'm leaving behind is my children. And the Bible says, fathers, provoke your children not to wrath. Fourthly, frame of loving admonition. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now he gives us two words there. The first word there is, speaks of environment. Nurture speaks of the environment of encouragement. It means, instead of looking what your youngins is always doing wrong, why don't you catch them doing something right? Did you hear what I said? Instead of looking for what they do wrong, because you know they're going to do wrong, why don't you look for what they do right? And why don't you build an environment of encouragement? That's nurture. Admonition is instruction. And there's nothing better. There's nothing that brings a greater disconnect in the heart of a child, and especially teenagers. Would you listen to what I... Nothing brings a greater disconnect in the heart of teenagers is when mom and daddy appear to be great Christians at church, but at home... The real them comes out. Nothing, nothing worse. That is more destructive. And, and, and by the way, I, I'm not saying your children 
doesn't necessarily need a best friend. I hear that all the time. But I want to be my child's best friend. They need, they need a prudent God. Can, can I help you? Please, please get this. I don't care how smart you think your child is. If it's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, would you wake up? They still got a 15, 16, 14, 12, whatever. Mind? That's what kind of mind they got. And that mind needs nurture and admonition. And they think they know more than you do. They think they know more than the preacher does. They think they know more than the Sunday school teacher or the school teacher. They think they know more than everybody. But they don't. And we need to be smart enough to figure out they don't. They got a a 15. Their mind is not developed. And it won't develop. Girls don't develop till they're about 19. Boys a little slower. It takes about 20, 21 before they fully mature. And then they've not lived long enough. They've not lived long enough. And so what they do is, listen, what they do is they mimic you. They copy you. They copy your words. They copy your actions. They copy how you do. They copy how you handle things. I was watching this at Sunday school, and I, I hope I don't embarrass him. I don't think I will. If he does, I'm, I think I can outrun him. By Sunday morning, Charles done the greatest thing he could have ever done for Lucas. Now I don't even know if he knows what he done. Lucas didn't want to go into Sunday school class. And just like all kids, Jaden didn't want to go the other week. Several kids, when they move, they don't like change. But I love this. Charles worked with him until he went into Sunday school class. And I went in my office and I said, I wonder if he knows what a great thing he just did. What a great thing he did. He, that's, he, he, he nurtured and instructed Lucas to what he needed to do. They happened again this morning. Another family, you know, Lewis didn't want to go into class because it's changed, it's different, it's a different teacher, and you know how that comes, all that goes. But the greatest thing was to instruct them because that's admonition. That's admonition. Hey, you young people, you young people, if you feel and believe you're smarter than your mother, you just got you just showed how really dumb you are. You're not as smart enough to realize they've lived some days. They've learned some days. 
They've learned some things. Hey, young man, if you think you're smarter than your daddy, then you just show how dumb you really are. Because you learned some things by living. You just learned some things just by simply living. And that flame of nurture and admonitions, the walls that, that builds it up. And, and, and it's the walls like the walls of this building. The foundation is scriptural truth and, and a love and acceptance. You know how these bus kids love our church? Is we accept them. And don't kid yourself. If we didn't love them, they would know that. They would know that. We love them kids, and guess what? They know that. And so they love coming. We had 33 this morning on a snowy Sunday morning. You believe that? Isn't that great? And so we need a frame of love and admonition that's, that's instructing. They need to be taught things. Now I believe this one we can do. I believe we can get the other one. I believe we can do these other ones. But boy, this roof is where I feel we really struggle so many. And that is, finally, a rooftop of biblical authority. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Goes on to another place and says, Children, obey your father and your mother that your days might be long on earth. How many want your children to live a good long life? Amen. The way they do that is by obedience and a biblical authority. There are four types, four kinds of parenting that's done. First kind is this, neglectful. Low in love and low in control. Hands down, it's the most popular parenting in our world today. Parents simply avoid their children. As long as you're not bothering me, I won't bother you. They, they, have, they, they, have, they have no concern, no caring. They refuse to set boundaries and refuse to enforce the few ones they have. They literally are low in love and low in control. Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. A child left to himself will bring his mom to shame. Low in love. Second parenting is this. Second one is permissive. High in love, but low in control. These are the parents that are led by their children. That's hard to, to imagine, but we have a whole lot of families, the children's running the house and running their lives. High in love, they love their children, but no boundaries, and no control. Whatever that child wants, it's what they do. Hebrews 12 says this, But if you be without chastisement, 
Whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. I, I know this is not going to be popular, but if your child's normal, there's times they need to be disciplined. And you say, well, I've never had to discipline then you probably just told you're high in love but low in control. There is the third one, the authoritarian. Low in love, high in control. This is a parent that's pushing their children to conform, to fit in a certain kind of box, rather than leading them to maturity. Someone has said this, if you push, push sheep, they'll scatter. But if you lead, they'll follow you anywhere you want to go. There are those that are, they're, they're, they're low in love, but they're high in control. The truth of the matter is, that child doesn't feel loved. Then there's the last one, the authoritative, the authoritative, high in love, but high in control. It is the parent that says, it is the parent that says, I love you so much, I'm going to set boundaries because you can't recognize the dangers. Book of Proverbs talks about the simple ones not recognizing the dangers. It is the parent that is high in love, but high in control. It's a parent that says, I love you dearly. I love you so much. I'm not going to let you do just anything you want to do. I'm not going to let you go anywhere you want to go or be with anybody you want to be. I, I love you so much that I'm going to keep a good, good record. I want to know where you're at. I want to know who your friends are. And you say, well, that, that, that's just wrong. No, that's biblical. That's biblical. It is that parent that said, see, we've made teenage years hard and complicated. It's not. Love your children. Set good, reasonable boundaries. And then set an accountability to those boundaries. There needs to be a responsibility to those boundaries. They break the boundaries. They need to know what the punishment's going to be. We had to be at home when I grew up at 11 o'clock. If you weren't at home at 11 o'clock, you slept in the car. You didn't want to get caught sleeping in the car because daddy come to the car. You didn't want to get caught sleeping in the car no matter what you did. High in love, but high in control. Now I need to stop right here. I need to really help you. You need to get this. Because this is the, 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 the way of our day is this. And all it, we're, we're seeing it everywhere. And, and what, we don't, what we don't understand, and I, I was in the store the other day, and, 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 and someone made this comment to me and said, said boy, did you, did you see right, what that cop done? And he done this, done that, and his own TV. Can I, let, me, let me just stop right now and just let me help you. Because what we are creating, and this news media is creating, one day is going to be nothing short of anarchy. When we 
destroy the authorities. When we destroy the authorities, now I want you, I want you to listen to me. Don't you hear me well? Elijah, come here and help me. Elijah's a good size. Boy, he's a head taller than me. I, I'll just shoot him. I don't mess with him. <laughs> he, he's, he'll, he'll be 16 in April. He's a sharp-looking young man. Looks like his grandfather. What, what can you expect? I mean, my soul. And, uh, but he, he, he needs to be instructed. He's still what the book of Proverbs calls a simple one. Okay? Let's just say, Elijah, he rides a bus and he works for the bus. And, and he comes up and he says, Papa, you know, Matthew, he told me, sit down, shut up. He told me I couldn't, I couldn't sit beside Becca. I'd sit over here. If I've got an ounce of brains about me, I'm going to look at him, and I'm going to say, now, young man, now, young man, whatever he tells you to do, you do it, and you keep your mouth shut. You shut up. And I don't want to hear that no more. Let me tell you why that is so important. Because one day, there's going to be, uh, and I've, I've been with him when he's driving. Trust me, it's going to happen. There's going to be a car pull up and it's got a little blue light on the top of it. And if I told him to quit kicking, not to kick authorities in his life, and that man comes up to the window and says, says, young man, I'd like to see your license. I'd like to see your registration. Did you know you was a speeding? Now, there's a young man in this church right now. Not, not now, but he used to come here. It's, it's been years ago since, it's been a long time ago. He got pulled over. But every time he would kick authority, mom and daddy would blow up and blow out and, 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 and cause a scene. And One day, a highway patrolman stopped him. He jumps out of the car. Highway patrolman said, young man, I said, get back in that car. A little bit. He said, he said, sir, I just don't think it's right you stopped me. He said, young man, I said, get back in that car. He said, but I, and he pulled a gun and said, I said, get back in that car. And had that young man made a step toward that highway patrolman, he would have stopped him. Now here's where we're warped in our thinking. We're thinking the patrolman's at fault instead of the young man. We think the patrolman's at fault. Now, I'm not saying all of them's perfect and all of them do it right. I'm not saying they're not. But I'm saying this. He didn't follow instructions. And what you've got to understand. Now, let me, let me just, you go ahead and have a seat. Now, I'll just use Becca. Becca, you come on up here and help me now. Praise God. I'm going to break you in right Take it back. She comes to me. Let's use the same illustration. Well, preacher, Matthew won't let me on. He won't let me sit so much on the bus. Blow it up and make it bigger than it is. Don't you, don't you kid yourself. 
would you, would you let me help you? They'll spin that thing to make it sound like it's bigger than what it was. If I've got an ounce of brains about me, and I'm her father, if I was your father, I got an ounce of brains with you, I'm going to say, young lady, whatever he tells you to do, you do it, and you keep your mouth shut. Or at least, I'm going to go see the complaint before I make a judgment. Matthew, what you t- what'd you tell her to do? Well, she's up running around over our land on top of Elijah, and I couldn't get her to sit down, so I told her to sit down, and I, and I, and uh, now, you say, but behold it. You say, that's no big deal. No, it's not. But one day, well, I, well, but 20 years from now, right now, one day, God may give her a husband. And 20 years from now, 20 years from now, 20. One day, God's going to give her a husband. But she's been taught. Every time she disagrees with an authority, I'm going to run to mom and daddy. I'm going to run to somebody. I'm going to run to preacher. And they're going to get all, you know, they're going to get all blowed out of proportion. And they're going to fight everything. And come in. What you're teaching that child is, you're teaching her how she's going to treat a husband. He's going to say, honey, we can't afford that. And you're going to have yourself a monster to deal with. Years ago, it's the most amazing thing. Me and Darlene were just so young. You can be seated. Thank you very, very much. You get the truth? Did you get the truth of what I'm going to try to teach you? Years ago, me and Darlene got into a, a knockdown drag out. I mean, it was a, it was a whopper. I'm going to hug my mama. I said, get in the car. I'll take you. <laughs> Amen. That's exactly what we've done. I parted the car. I spun out of the driveway, you know. I was down there. I said, here she is. You can have her back. I will never forget that old woman in her wisdom. She said, I want you to promise me something. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I want you to come back in one hour. In one hour. I came back in an hour. She led her out to me. And she said, now you take your wife home and you'll not have any more problems with her. And the wisdom of that old woman that day saved our marriage. And we went home. And to my knowledge, I've never took you and left you any worse else since. <laughs> Amen. Can't get her to go nowhere. Amen. Hermit. What I want you to understand is this. Every time we side with our children against authority. 
Does that mean authority's always right? No. But you're not teaching them just in that moment what's right. You're teaching them a principle for life. You're teaching a wife. She's to obey her husband. You're teaching a young man to obey the authorities in his life. He's going to get a job. And, and whether that job is a joy or a misery, will be, will be. I, I, I don't think I'm going to embarrass him. and I, I, He knows I love him. But I, I watched Jake play ball for two years. He didn't like his coach. His coach made him a better man. Calhoun, get over here! And Daddy didn't always agree with him, but Daddy let that coach make him a better man. He's a better man. I watched as, as that coach. Was he always right? I don't think he was always right. He'd pull Jake out of the game and make him sit on the bench because he got mad. And next two plays, he's running up and down the, the, the sideline screaming and hollering, he's mad. And, and I won't go up. I said, sit down the pew. And you straighten up. <laughs> what I'm trying to help you to understand tonight is this. You would do the greatest help. And I don't care what that authority is. Is it, is it, it if it's a school teacher? or wherever it is, because what you do is be so destructive. You're teaching them because whatever that is, and it may not be perfect, and it don't always have to be right, but what you're teaching is a principle that they'll face all their life. And when we teach our children biblical authority, and, and what, what we're doing is we're teaching them life. We're teaching them life. And it's the greatest truth. You say, well, I just don't agree with that. Okay, then don't do it. But would you please hear me? The day will come when they will come up against your authority. You will be fighting that child yourself. They will come up, they'll buck your authority. If you've told them it's okay, if it's okay, honey, you don't have to listen to that, that, that school teacher or Sunday school teacher or, or the preacher or, 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 or that. You don't have to listen to none of that. Okay, go right ahead. Don't miss this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You sow that and the day will come and they won't listen to you. They won't listen to you because you're destroying. Right now, in our nation, it's the most damnable thing I've ever seen in my life. How many of you have seen that uh, young lady where that officer took down in that classroom? How many of you have seen that? That all over the news? How many of you have seen that? C -c Did you get the rest of the story? Did, did you do know that the teacher spent over an hour trying to get that young lady to put up a cell phone? You, you, did, you did see where she called the principal. He come down there and spent 
an hour trying to get her to obey what the teacher wanted done. You did see that, didn't you? You did see, they did show that, didn't they? Yeah, right. They showed you after people, after person, after, and she was hell-bent that I'm not going to put my cell phone up and nobody's going to tell me what to do. And now, where he should have done it that way or not, that's between him, and I'm not even going to say it was right or wrong. I'm just simply saying, but let's get the whole story. That young lady was wrong, dead wrong, dead wrong. Brother Hiles went to preach at a, at a college one day, and, and they heckled him, made fun of him, heckled him. He, he got done, and he walked to the principal, and the principal said, I'm sorry. He said, sir, can I give you a bit of advice? If you do not get the authority straight in this school, I promise you, one day they'll hold you hostage. A year almost to the date, he got news. The school took the principal hostage, held him for a day and a half before they could get him released. What I'm trying to say to you is this. The principles of this book is so very, very true. 1 Kings chapter number 11. The Bible says that God, listen to what Solomon, the smartest man in the world, said. Hear ye, children. Hey, kids, listen up. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake you not my law. Listen, kids. But now here's where he failed. Great instruction, but a terrible example. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart away from other gods after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And so Solomon said, I want you to do, I want you to do what I tell you to do. But his example was totally the opposite. Now here, let me tell you the rest of the story. The day came, the day came when Rehoboam, Rehoboam become king. And Rehoboam consulted with the old men, the wisdom, the knowledge. And that stood before Solomon his father, while he yet lived, he said, How do you advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou will be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, and they'll be your servants forever. But you know what? You know what? He didn't do that. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which had been given to him and consulted with the young men that had grown up with him and split the kingdom. He split the kingdom. Foundation of scriptural truth. A foundation of love and acceptance. Frame it with nurture. Frame it with admonition. An environment of, of encouragement and, and, and a wall of admonition, instruction, but you got to put a roof of biblical authority 
And they need to come under the authorities that are in their life. And when they fail, and when we fail to teach that, take it to the bank. They'll be like the young man said, I'm going to go join the Marines because I'm tired of people telling me what to do. <laughs> the day will come. The day will come that when they will kick every authority that's in our life. Right now, it may not be monumental. It, it, may, it may not be a Matthew on a bus route. One day it'll be Authority where he works. He ain't tell me what to do. Or for a young lady, it'll be a husband. And a marriage shatters because the orders is so wrong. I'm here to tell you tonight, maybe the greatest blueprint that you'll ever hear. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed.